Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are so excited to be joined by Dr. Mirza, a leader in medical education and pathology. So where are you in attending and what is your position? Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be uh, speaking with you today. Um, I am an associate professor of pathology and laboratory medicine at Loyola University Chicago Stritz School of Medicine, uh, where I serve as the vice chair of education and an associate program director for the pathology residency program. So we love to start our podcast with some rapid fire questions to just get to know you a little bit better. So I know this was a long time ago, but were you AOA in medical school? So my school did not have AOA. However, uh, after becoming an attending, uh, Stritz School of Medicine actually inducted me into AOA as a faculty member. How cool. Were you gold humanism? We didn't have gold humanism in my school. And do you have any interview stories or any deficiencies in your application that you can share with us to learn a little bit more about your application into pathology? Absolutely. So like many people who consider pathology, uh, you know, it isn't uh, mainstream for most medical students. I decided to do pathology a little bit late in the game uh, and I was successful in the match. But I think one thing I always like to tell my mentees or, or trainees who are coming up the match cycle is that while I matched successfully for pathology residency, uh, as a foreign uh, medical graduate, I had a little bit of a visa delay uh, when it came to the start time. Uh, and because of that reason, I actually lost my residency in the July that I was about to start it. Uh, and that was a horrible, horrible time. And I would not wish that on anybody. However, I mention it because I feel like discussing that and putting it out in the open as something that I learned from and I something I had to go through might help someone who's struggling with the match process or who may be in a particular situation that's similar to mine. Uh, and so that was something that I didn't enjoy. Uh, nobody enjoys losing a residency spot after matching. However, I think it's, it's something to be said about the fact that when things happen, you kind of have to brush them off and move forward. Uh, and hopefully if I'm able to inspire anyone from that horrible story, um, it, it's worthwhile. That's so stressful. It is really important to hear people share their stories about struggles along the way and to see where you are now and what you've been through really makes you even more resilient today. So in pathology, what really makes a competitive applicant? Is it leadership, volunteerism, research, rotations? What really shines when you're looking through an application and what are you hopeful to see? Sure. Um, I think like many other residency program application kind of reviews, we look at a spectrum of things. I personally jump towards the personal statement first. That's a, it's a personal bias. But I think a good candidate to me is one that shows a true um, passion for pathology. And that might not be easy to portray in an application. But what I'm looking for really is, the, is um, a true... Uh, how, do I want to say it? A true kind of experience or something meaningful that makes it clear that this candidate would really like to do pathology. Unfortunately for pathology, like, you know, the negative stereotype that surrounds it, a lot of candidates end up doing it because they may feel that this is a good backup for another field that, you know, is their number one, but, you know, oh, you know, if I don't get into X, I might as well try for pathology. 
And that type of candidate we can pick up in one second. Like it's very clear because they have no true pathology experiences and they can't really speak clearly towards why pathology is uh, the reason, you know, is, is their choice for residency uh, application cycle. So to me, I think if someone has uh, real true experiences in pathology, like rotations or electives, if they have letters from pathologists, uh, if they might have published in pathology, um, or like if, even if they've just been part of a pathology student interest group, to me that that starts reflecting the fact that they may be coming from a place where I can gauge their pathology interest to be real. So everything else, of course, if they have great scores or if they have leadership positions, all of those things are extra and they're amazing. But what I'm looking for is the reason they want to become a pathologist. So something you mentioned is the personal statement showcasing the reason why someone wants to go into pathology. But if someone is having a hard time figuring out what to write about, do you have any recommendations for brainstorming some topics? That's a great question. Uh, so I think the personal statement is a way for any candidate to speak to me directly. Uh, to me about, you know, speak about anything that may not be part of their application. Uh, trust us when we tell you we are looking through, I mean, everybody does it in a different way, but we look through everything. So don't use the personal statement to rehash anything or you know, much of your CV, we have looked at that. It is your opportunity to tell us what in your life's experience has motivated you to either become a pathologist or you know any other part of your life. We just want to know a little bit more about you and that personal statement may open a window as to who you are and let us gauge you a little bit better. I, you know, I mean, I think that if you can start the reader off with a bang, like, you know, ask a question, give us an answer, tell us an anecdote. You know, I mean, everybody has anecdotes about, XYZ in the clinic and you know they were having a difficult time, et cetera, et cetera. Try and stay away from the cliche stories. Tell us who you are, what really motivates you, what makes you tick. Uh, and if something in your background is unique and makes you completely different from others, please tell us, especially if there are any deficiencies or perceived deficiencies that you have in your application, please let, use the personal statement to tell us. Many a time there are application gaps or things that you know routine candidates feel may not be their strengths and the application shows them pretty clearly. And oftentimes if I read the personal statement and I understand why those things occurred, I don't even think twice about them. So I think the personal statement can be very powerful if used correctly. That's really helpful to know, to definitely bring up those deficiencies and showcase what you've learned from them. And then you also mentioned to avoid like cliche topics. And I'm curious if you could just give us some examples of cliche things that we may want to avoid when writing our personal statement. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's easy to say, I guess, cliches, and it's difficult to describe them. Uh, but I'm pretty certain that every, uh, every subspecialty within medicine has a cliche type of reasoning for why somebody wants to do it. You know, I mean, sometimes when we think about medical students applying, like, you know, students applying to medical school, we, we think about their stories that, you know, I want, oh, you know, it, it becomes cliche that I want to help humanity, for example, right? I mean, that can be a very powerful statement and it, it might be a true motivating factor for some people. So, but just to say that I want to help humanity may not hold as much weight as showing us in, in a description how you've already helped humanity or how when you witnessed humanity being helped, it motivated you, right? So the idea is to kind of look at it from a different angle. 
instead of saying the obvious, how about you describe something that helps us understand what you know what that what that motivation or what that strength might be so you know i mean it's nice to describe that well i want to become a pathologist because a pathologist is a doctor's doctor you know that's a very characteristic statement and it's true we are consultants to other physicians and so in that sense we are a doctor's doctor but that could end up sounding like a cliche in your personal statement if you don't use it or leverage what that statement to your benefit, right? Think about it in the sense that, well, I remember that there was a frozen section happening in the OR and the, and the surgeon really wanted to know what this piece of tissue was. And I was part of the team that went down to the pathologist and they actually gave us the answer. And I really saw firsthand that a, a pathologist is a doctor's doctor. You know what I'm saying? So like the same cliche, can become a story which can become powerful as opposed to just a statement which might be meaningless. True. And one other thing about pathologists, not only are they the doctor's doctor, but they're also some of the nicest people in the hospital. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. <laughs> so, you know, during this whole process it is incredibly stressful and we always have some programs that we're really excited about. And I'm curious what are like ways in which we can show interest in a particular program that we really want to go to? I think that's a great question. And I, I agree with you. I think everyone will have those uh, programs, you know, in their minds. It, I think that depending on how uh, geographically you're located, either distant from them or close to them, uh, in pathology, I would recommend if you can do away rotations, um, try and do those. I think it's a great way to showcase your abilities and your strengths as a candidate. Uh, if you cannot to do an away rotation and you're on social media, try and connect with those pathologists, you know, pathologists that are from that program, try and uh, seek out, like, let's say, a remote mentorship from them, or perhaps even do a project, a collaborative project across institutions. Um, I think that any way you can kind of make your candidacy and your interest known without being overtly kind of uh, overbearing, for example, I, I mean, I'm pretty certain you can find a way in which that collaboration uh, can occur. Another way is to personalize your personal statement. Sometimes, you know, people personalize their personal statements in a way that really, truly reflects the statement uh, for that individual program. Uh, so I think that they're small, but very, um, very significant ways uh, that you can probably increase your chances of being reviewed positively in an institution. And another part of this entire process are interviews, which can be really stressful for a lot of applicants throughout this process. And I'm curious if you have any tips for people when they're trying to prepare for a pathology interview. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, COVID obviously has thrown everything for a loop as well. And it thinks they're virtual and I think that there's some rules that apply for both virtual and um, in-person interviews. My recommendation would really be to be yourself. Be yourself, dress comfortably but professionally, um, think about the program, the program strengths and kind of have some questions in your mind about what you want to specifically know about that program. I would even research the people who are interviewing you. Typically you find out who interviews you at least a few days before, if not the day before. And I have always been very impressed by candidates who are comfortable in their skin, comfortable with who they are and what they represent, comfortable with their own story, and have done a little bit of research about what my institution is, what my department does, or what I do. And that's not necessary. I mean, it's not that I'm being impressed by the fact that they've read up on me. <laughs> it just allows us to have 
deeper conversation, I think, about you know either pathology or my subspecialty or our program, and I think it allows. So I guess in a, in another way, I would like to I would like to remind everybody that while you are interviewing uh, with us with a program, you know, and we are definitely trying to obviously gauge you, you should also be gauging us. It's very important that you don't lose sight of the fact that this interview process is you also checking out the program, you figuring out whether this is the right type of environment for you, the right type of mentorship for you. And don't caught up, don't get caught up in nerves in, in so badly that you aren't able to actually make an assessment of the program, right? Because if you are caught up in trying to just, uh, you know, put your best foot forward, which you have to, but you forget that you are also interviewing us, uh, then I think that at the end of the day, when you're going to uh, sit down and try to put your uh, rank list together, it will be very difficult because if it's only been one-sided where you've shown us who you are and not really taken into account what we are, then it might be tricky to put that rank list together. I would say be yourself. I mean, there's really very few ways that you can actually bomb an interview. And most of that, most, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, like you really, like, I mean, what, what would you need to do to bomb an interview? You know, like not show up, that's a way to bomb it, right? Um, you know, if you use cuss words accidentally, that's a way to bomb it. I mean, it's like you really have to do something which is like uniquely strange to actually bomb an interview. 99.9% .9 of the time, you'll be totally fine. So I, I would just remind myself that before I go into the interview and try and have a good time. Well, that is true in regards to bombing an interview. And when you're more comfortable with your interview, it comes across much more easily and you can answer questions with confidence and you can show that you are excited about being there because they are also excited as a program to interview you as they chose you as one of the people to have at the, di at the dinner table the night before. And they chose you to have across the table interviewing with the PD on the day of. Exactly. I think that if your institution allows you to do mock interviews, definitely do those. Some people I've heard anecdotally, some people, if for example, if they, they really want to go to place X, they don't schedule place X as the first interview. They, you know, they might um, schedule place Y and Z before X, just so that they get a little bit more comfortable with the process. So for everyone, becoming comfortable is a little bit different and, you know, just do whatever works for you. So there are so many parts of an interview and people can ask anything on your ERAS application. And I'm curious what some of your favorite things to ask about are. Is it the research, the work experience, the volunteer, the hobbies? What do you tend to ask about and what should people generally prepare for? So I might not be the right person to ask this question, but I'm, I mean, I do definitely interview so I guess my my opinion counts I actually don't ask anything from the application at all oh um, cool because I feel like I mean I already know those things unless of course something is really unique for example like if you if you put on your application that you're a bird watcher I might I might speak about that or you know if you speak you know god knows 10 languages then I might speak about that but it won't it won't really be anything pathology related at least not to start off with Typically for me, the interview starts off with, you know, after introductions, I ask, I ask the candidate to kind of tell me about their journey. Tell me, you know, about how they grew up, you know, where they grew up, how, what, what brought them to medical school, and what eventually brought them to pathology. And once we have that laid down, whatever, you know, the normal natural conversation goes in which direction, that's where I kind of take it. To me, the fact that they are sitting in that chair, virtual chair or real chair in my office, means that they've already qualified in so many ways, you know, to be part of our program. And now what I want to know 
is that can they be part of my family, my work family? I love our residents. They are a fantastic group of individuals and I truly think of them as my work family. And what I'm doing now is gauging whether this individual will be a good member of my work family. And that doesn't need, you know, I don't need to know more about their CV or, you know, their accomplishments. What I need to know about is who they are, what makes them tick and, you know, kind of how they'll interact with my trainees. I think that becomes very important for me. So if you've already, like, you know, like you already mentioned that somebody, once they've qualified for the interview, they've already gone through a bunch of hoops. So to be honest, I use that time to just get to know an individual and then kind of learn about their life experience. And that might not be true for other program directors. So take that with a pinch of salt that, you know, it can be, you know, they can throw any question at you. And for the more kind of routine questioning, definitely be familiar with your application. It sometimes is a little bit of time um, after you've created it and you're interviewing like subsequently a couple of months later. And they may ask you about research that you did several years ago. And if you don't really recall what that research was, it's not that it will be held against you, but it doesn't seem really professional that, you know, yeah, in high school, for example, if you've put something from high school, which you may, you probably shouldn't even do, but if it's very relevant and you've put it and you can't describe it, then you're putting yourself at a position where you're not coming across as the strongest that you could. So for the more, uh, more routine kind of questions, just be familiar with your own application and be ready to talk about any part of it. But if you're going to be sitting with me in my program, just get ready to talk about life. Well, that's the kind of interview that I want to be in because it sounds like a wonderful way to make the applicant feel comfortable and to learn about them because family is an important component. Like you said, you are with them so much of your day. You're spending your time learning about that resident, caring about that resident, and they do become a part of your family. So such a great way for a resident to see that their program directors do care about them. Well, Simone, it's not too late. You can always switch into pathology if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> well, following you on Twitter at KMRSA is one awesome opportunity to learn more about opportunities in pathology and medicine overall. But I'm curious if you have any other tips for learning more about the field, connecting with a mentor, or to even just help us navigate through this entire journey. Absolutely. So like you mentioned, Path Twitter is amazing. It is an amazing virtual Twitter, social media pathology family. You will find mentorship even, you know, the second you open an account and start following people in pathology, you will immediately be mentored indirectly. But for official kind of more strategic alliances, there are things that the College of American Pathologists offers. That's the CAP. Uh, it, uh, the American Society for Clinical Pathology also has a mentorship program. Uh, that's ASCP. Uh, you know, and so following some of the organizations, kind of looking at who they follow, uh, who follows them, you know, kind of find that little niche in pathology. Uh, it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly who the people are that may be of help. Uh, and there's so many of them. I mean, I can't even like start naming anyone because there are like hundreds, if not thousands of pathologists who are really, really helpful and, you know, reach out to them if they follow you back. I have had multiple people in match 20, 21, and now coming into, you know, uh, 22, where, you know, people have reached out to me directly, and I may not be able to help them immediately or every single thing that they ask for, but I can either guide them in the right direction. There's several people I have Zoomed with kind of separately, just chatting about their interests and, you know, what they'd like to do. So I would agree with you 
where I think that Pathology Twitter or you know other social media channels have been a great resource, especially especially now uh, because of COVID nineteen and everything being virtual. It just highlighted that aspect of it. So. You know, student membership in the CAP ASCP is all free, so I would recommend that they have numerous resources, so you should check that out as well. Yes, definitely check it out early and check it out often. I have been so amazed by PATH Twitter and the amount of enthusiasm and energy from faculty and from residents and from medical students that are all willing and eager to provide support, which also showcases, even though it may not always be true, I do still believe that pathologists are the nicest in the hospital. So we will, we will always say thank you for that. <laughs> well, you know, you've provided us so many awesome tips to get started and to get through this entire interview journey in pathology. But I am curious, is there anything else that you would like to offer or add about the entire residency interview or application process? You know, I think just go with your gut. If you want to become a pathologist, have good pathology experiences going into it, make an informed decision for pathology for the right reasons. Uh, we demystify human disease every day. It is the furthest thing from boring. It is an intellectual challenge. Uh, and the, the, you know, the, the process can be daunting, but don't, don't get stressed out about it. Reach out to a good mentor, have some mock interviews, figure out which geographic location you want to go to, what type of program that might interest you, and really actually enjoy the journey. Once your residency starts, it's a completely different life. And before that, you know, as a medical student, you still have like your, 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 the timings that you live by or the things that you do are a little bit different. And so before you start this professional journey, enjoy yourself, don't stress out too much. Um, you know, and really, if you want to decide about pathology, there's so many people who can guide you. Reach out to me, reach out to anybody else and, and good luck. Well, one last thing. We always like to end our podcast by having you share a fun fact about yourself. So Dr. Mirza, share something fun about you. So um, I don't know if it's fun or not. So uh, I guess in college and in high school, I used to direct plays. Um, and I was a director, like we did a bunch of musicals, et cetera. And, and I guess, the re I don't know if that's fun or anything, but, but, but in my personal statement for residency, I wrote my personal statement as an act in three plays. And I, you know, told them, told the reader about how I think pathologists are like the directors, where the actual other physicians are the actors on the stage, but the pathologist is the director, the physician who's behind the scenes. Um, and so I guess that was a kind of a fun thing to tie together with the, my backstory and my love for pathology. Oh, really cool. And now I'm even more curious. What was your favorite play to direct? Uh, that's a very cool question. So in medical school, actually, we did a play. I went to the Aga Khan University in Pakistan, and we did a play which was a musical interpretation of Rumi's poetry. Um, and it was kind of like a musical dance type of, a, type of, type of performance. And that, I think, was, uh, was my favorite. How neat. Well, thanks so much. That's all the time we have today with Dr. Mirza. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McCloyd for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome leader in medical education.